0: seated. I just in that spirit of prayer, though, I want to continue to pray. And actually, I'm I'm going to ask Jonathan to come up. Filetti come up, Jonathan. We're going to pray for you. And, and I, I don't know, I just feel we need to have one Marine pray for another. So I'm going to ask Nick to come and just, would you pray for Jonathan? And we just want you to know we're proud of you, Jonathan, and uh, glad to call you our own. And we're thankful for you. And uh, I'm going to... I mean, Bill, can you come too? I want, yeah, come on, Dad. And um, just, uh, so we'll have... Uh, right. I, I figure you're, uh, you know, you're, you're old enough to die for your country, so you're old enough to be prayed for. Well, no, how about live for your country? I'm sorry. Nancy, I'm not, no prophecy there. We just want you to know we're thankful for you. Jonathan, I'm proud of you and pray that you uh, continue to walk with God and follow his plan for your life. So, I'm just going to ask Nick to lead us in prayer and that's it. To we to with his family, with him that's right. Yeah, God. pray that uh, each step that Jonathan takes he would find that you were already there and as he moves on to the next portion of his training we ask Lord that I pray Lord that you would really um, give him good Christian fellowship where he goes and uh, I know Lord that there are fine sisters in Christ uh, in the Marines (laughs) so I pray Lord that Jonathan would find himself just surrounded by some awesome young men and women who are sold out for you, Jesus, that, uh, Lord, that together they would be able to pursue you together and pursue your will and your call for their lives together. And uh, so, Lord, we just um, thank you for this young man, and we pray your blessing on him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jonathan, bless you. that's okay. And uh, thank you. I just want to, you know, and I just want to, you know, Bill and Nancy, you guys have a lot to be proud of. You got a good family, and I'm very thankful for you. And um, just praise the Lord, huh? It's neat to see our kids grow up doing good stuff, isn't it? So, Tonight, uh, speaking of prayer, tonight is our, um, there's another prayer meeting tonight at the South United Methodist Church. We had a great time of prayer last Sunday night here. Boy, that seems like a long time ago, but that was just last Sunday, right? And uh, that was a wonderful evening last Sunday night. And um, so the next, you know, night of prayer combined with the different churches in Manchester is happening tonight at the South United Methodist Church, the big stone church down at the bottom of... Um, main street in manchester and um, these times of prayer have just been so really good like that's not even the right word but i don't know what other word it's been really awesome they've been great to see and um, i really believe that we're in the middle of something that god is doing in our area and it's something that we've been praying for and hoping for for a long time i remember 20 years ago when I first came to Manchester, came to South Windsor in this area, and we came here to start a church, you know, and I was at a pastor's prayer gathering at Church of the Living God. I can't remember the guy's name. He was an older pastor. He had been here for 40 years in this region serving God and uh, just praying for revival for 40 years, and that was 20 years ago, so... 60 years right you add 20 to 40 and um I don't know if that guy is even he might be with the lord now for all I know I don't really remember his name but I just remember what he said he said a herd of wild elephants wouldn't get me out of Connecticut right now <laughs> he said I'm I've been praying for 40 years for a revival and he saw it coming and he wasn't there was no way he was leaving it in my guess is the Lord brought him home, so he left it. But he's, <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking, you and I, um, it's no accident, these prayer gatherings, the church coming together to pray, these are an answer to prayer, an answer to the prayers of saints like that man and many others, and um, you and I get to live in the answer to their prayers. So that. Makes these times of prayer to me that much more special. And um, just don't want to miss them. They've been really good. So, tonight, this morning, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness again at the outset because um, last night I was on my walk with Jesus and we're walking around and praying and talking about this morning. And I just kind of got this other idea for this morning, which of course is after the bulletin's been printed. So, What's in your bulletin is, like some of the verses that are printed there, I'll probably reference, so it's not a bad idea to have it out, but it's not going to follow it exactly. So just to give you a heads up on that. We've been in this series, this is week four of this series called Allure, and the idea is that Jesus is very attractive, and you and I get to represent Jesus in this world around us. And, and honestly, when people see ugly, they're not seeing Jesus, they're seeing me, right? If you see ugly, you're seeing Doug. You're not seeing Jesus. And so the desire of my life is to get less and less ugly, in a sense, so that more and more of Christ can be seen, because the more of Jesus that can be seen in you and me, well, the more effective our witness will be in our generation, and the world around us. Because Jesus is attractive. So that's the premise of this whole series called Allure. And just talking about some of these character traits of Jesus. And the goal is to get to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and talk about the fruit of the Spirit. But we've really been stuck the last three weeks in this concept of grace. And here we are again. So we're going to stay on it again. And um, <clears throat> there's just something here, and that I see, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm not quite sure yet how to communicate it perfectly. But Lord willing, we'll get there. You know, the thing that qualifies you to represent Jesus in this world is that you know how unqualified you are. It's when you start thinking that you're all that and more that then you lose your ability. You lose your qualification. You follow it? And that's not to say that we walk around uh, beating ourselves up like, oh, I'm such a worm. You don't belittle yourself. That's not. That would be a wrong. Actually, what's wrong about that is that it puts the focus on me, right? The more self-deprecating I am, the more it makes it about Doug. That's not good either. The whole point here is I disappear, and let Jesus shine through me, right? So, but what qualifies me is when I remember how unqualified I am, and that really the power that's at work in my life is not me, but him. But the danger is this. The further I walk with Jesus and the longer I've been friends with Jesus, the more Jesus has done this remarkable change in my life, right? And the danger of that is to begin to think that somehow that's me. And God loves to bless us, but the danger of that is that his blessings in our lives become his greatest competition in our lives. That we focus on the blessings and not the blesser, the gifts and not the giver, the benefits not the benefactor, right? and but it's easy to do that because God is so good to us and i just this morning we were praying together and was thinking about man how good god's been you know i, I have a, a beautiful wife and i have three awesome kids and and i get to be a part of this great church family you know we have so many great people it's like you are all part of god's blessing in my life right and on and on and on it goes, and it's so easy to just sort of begin to take that for granted, to lose gratitude, and just to think that this is the way, it, you know, I'd somehow, this is me. I, I I earned this, or or just to forget the fact that it's a gift, it's all part of God's grace in my life, and He's poured it on in you and me, and now it's my privilege, it's your privilege to... Share that with others, right? What if God placed the cure for every ill in the world? What if he took the cure and he planted that cure within a select group of people? And his plan was that then that select group of people would carry that cure to the rest of the world and bring wholeness to everyone else. Oh, wait a second, that is the plan. Right? The Jesus who lives in you, other people desperately need him. Right? If Jesus lives inside of you, then you have something that other people desperately need. Wow, that was loud in the microphone. My mint crunched. Let me just follow that. It's done, right? So I want you to go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-six because we want to look at this example of this guy named Uzziah. Uzziah was a king in Judah, and if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we um, we looked at Isaiah chapter six. And in Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah said. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And we talked last three weeks ago about that, that Isaiah actually is called the Prince of Prophets because Isaiah had royal blood in his veins. He was related, you know, part of the greater royal family. He wasn't in direct line to the throne, but he was certainly up there in the upper echelon of Jewish, Jewish society at that time, right? And he would have been friends with King Uzziah, and then the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord, and we noted a couple of weeks ago that sometimes a death has to happen in order for us to see God. sometimes it's a loss of a maybe a loss of a job or a loss of a friendship or a loss of income or a loss of or maybe the actual death of a loved one. You know, God uses these things at times, right to It's like something has to be removed sometimes in order for us to actually see him, right? And in Isaiah's life, I said that's what happened for him. Isaiah, Uzziah, his good friend, King Uzziah, died. And Isaiah's grieving, and then Isaiah says, I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. So this morning, who is King Uzziah? I want to go back and look at King Uzziah. Some background to this guy. King Uzziah... His dad was Amaziah, and Amaziah had a problem with pride. In 2 Chronicles 25, you read about Amaziah. Amaziah had become powerful and rich and famous and prideful, and pride had become his downfall. And so then when he died, his son Uzziah became king, and we read that Uzziah also struggled with the same thing. Don't You, you see that a lot in families, right? You know, here's this generation struggling with alcoholism, but the generation before them struggled with it, too, and the generation before them struggled with it, too. It's really interesting how that often works, isn't it? And it or whether it's with anger or, it, or you know, um, we see generations of people on welfare trapped in a poverty mindset, right? Just one generation to the next, to the next, for... It affects all of us, even royalty. And here's Amaziah struck with pride. His son Uzziah becomes king. And we see that pride is also a big issue for him as well. So look at Second Chronicles 26, verse 1. It says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. And then look at verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah, she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Just try to wrap your mind around this one. He's 16 years old, and he's now in charge of a country. That's, that's pretty heady stuff for anybody. But a 16-year-old kid is now leading a country, right? And, but we're told, hey, good news. Uzziah has a heart for God. He's trying to honor God, right? And as long as he seeks God, God gives him success. Verse 9, verse 6, rather. He went to war against the Philistines, and he broke down the walls of Gath. Anybody remember who came from Gath? A famous guy came from Gath. Goliath was from Gath. And you know the story of David and Goliath, David and the sling, and the giant Goliath. Goliath came from Gath. Gath was a prominent Philistine city. Not even David could conquer Gath, as great as David was. A hundred years later, Uzziah, about a hundred years later, Uzziah conquers the city of Gath. You don't think that's kind of heady? Hey, man, King David couldn't even do it, but uh, I did, right? So here we are, a hundred years later. He gets Gath. He gets Jabna, Ashdod. He rebuilt the towns near Ashdod. And then verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbaal and against the Meunites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate. Verse 10, he also built towers in another spot. Verse 11, Uzziah had a well trained army ready to go out by divisions. So, man, you get the picture. This guy's got it all together, doesn't he? Look at verse uh, 15. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that the soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped. Until he became powerful. I mean, this he is the whiz kid, right? Not only is he strong, he's got a good army, he's conquered, he's got won battles, he's an inventor, he's technologically advanced. I mean, Uzziah, he is the whole package. And he became powerful. But what was the secret of his power? Yeah, God, Bible's pretty clear, he was helped. His power didn't just come because he did it on his own. He had some help, some divine help at work in his life. And then there's this word, but, in verse 16. You know, anytime you see the word, but, you know something good isn't coming. But, after Uzziah became powerful, his pride Led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord as God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now just a quick background for a second. In ancient Israel, they had this balance of power in the, their nation. So you had the king, and you had the prophets, and then you had the priests. And the three of those roles were meant to be distinct. You weren't allowed to cross them. Priests couldn't be kings. Prophets couldn't be priests, right? All with the intention of balancing the power in the nation, right? And so it worked well. So King Uzziah is the king, and he goes into the temple to burn incense. He's taking over the job of the priests. Do you see what he's doing? King Uzziah isn't content to be politically powerful, he now wants to become spiritually powerful. He's he's, trying, he's taking something that really isn't his. So, verse 17, Azariah the priest with 80 other, I like this, courageous priests, that must mean there were other non-courageous, there were other cowards like Doug that were like, yeah, I'm not gonna go to that meeting right? Azariah, <laughs> with courageous priests, they decide that they're going to uh, confront the king. Verse 18, they confronted King Uzziah. And you do realize, right, he could have had their heads cut off. He, he, this could not have gone well for the priests, potentially. No wonder it was the courageous ones who went. So they confronted him. It's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Pretty strong words to say to the king. 19, how does Uzziah respond? Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, he was raging, I'm guessing saying some choice words and giving them a, the what for. It was not a pretty scene. It says leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Hey, Isaiah chapter 6. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. Uzziah rested with his ancestors and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings, for people said he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. What a tragic ending to a man who started off So, well, Uzziah is held up to you and me, really, as the ultimate example of what happens when we receive the blessings of God in our life, and then we begin to take pride in the blessings of God in our life, begin to think that somehow I earned these, that these are mine, right? And then I forget the pit from which Jesus drew me out of, right? And I begin to think that this is the way I've always been. But I forget that I have walked with God for 35 years. 35 years the Lord has been doing work in my life. He's been changing this and fixing that and correcting this and... And with that, and God's been rearranging the furniture in my life for a long time. So I dare not think that somehow I've just always been a super great guy, right? Jesus has been at work in my life for years. The temptation when I'm caring for other people is to somehow think that they should have and they should be where I'm at and fail to remember that Jesus has been at work on me for a long time. You say, I I would never think that way about somebody else, but I do. You know, I don't don't consciously think that I'm better than somebody else. I don't. But I kind of do. You know how I know I think I'm better than other people? Well, I see somebody whose family is struggling, and I think to myself, you know, if they would only have uh, devotions every day with their kids, like Karis and I did with ours, then they could have a good family like us. Somehow I reduce the blessings of my family to just one or two things that we did, and I fail to remember what I have is a blessing from God. Or I see somebody struggling financially, and I think to my, you know, and, and I think, well, you know, if they would just uh, cancel all their credit cards uh, like I did, then they could be out of debt and they would be okay. And would, and I fail to remember that what I enjoy, I enjoy because I've been blessed immensely by God. You see the, you see, you see that. It's a very subtle thing that I'm addressing this morning. It's not obvious. Nobody walks around and says, hey, I'm better than everybody else. We don't do that. But yet, our reactions to the hurt of others often reveals the judgment in my own heart. And I find myself a lot like Uzziah. Living in this blessing of God, forgetting that every blessing I have is a gift. Right? It's a gift. And it's a privilege that I have to be able to share this gift with others. There's one more story that I want to take you to, Um, and it's found in Numbers 24. It's the story of Balaam, and we are familiar, some of us, with Balaam and his talking donkey. But uh, there's so much more to the story than just the talking donkey. It's always kind of sad to me that we leave it at just the donkey, right? But there's so much more happening in this story that we need to get. I guess what I'm saying is, is like, every one, every one of us, every one of us has made a mess, right? I mean, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has made a mess. There's not a single person on the planet who hasn't made a mess, right? Every one of us has. And sometimes, the further I walk with Jesus, the more I, I'm, uh, it, it's easy to begin to think that somehow I'm doing Jesus a favor, right? That I forget the mess that he got me out of. And sometimes I even try to hide the mess, like somehow, you know, Jesus, Jesus, uh, he, he picked me because I have this gift or that talent or this ability because I'm this. And he really didn't. I mean, the only thing Jesus really has to work with is a mess, right? I think about what Jesus has to work with. It's either he starts from nothing, which he's done before, or he starts from something that's broken. There's there's nothing that's perfect that Jesus has to work with on this planet. Can you think of anything? Since Adam and Eve sinned, since the human race rebelled, everything's broken. Everything. So either he starts with nothing, which he's done before, or he starts with something that's broken, and he works with that, right? Why do I forget that in my life, Jesus has started with what's broken? That's all I brought to him, brokenness. I brought to him my mess. I brought to him my garbage. That's all I did. And he turned it into gold. It's amazing. His grace, it's powerful, right? my question to you is, can you see that in your own life? Can you see the garbage and then the gold that God brought out of it? Can you see that? Because that's what qualifies you to show that to others. That's what qualifies you to go to your friends and to your neighbors and to to, to say, you know what? You see this garbage? We all know we've got garbage. We all know it. So, Now, our job is to go. Do you see the gold that's there? God wants to do something with that. It's really cool. Because, look, here's what he did in my life. Here's the garbage I brought to him. I brought him garbage. And God did this with it. You can take your garbage, and God will do that with it. See? Balaam. I'm getting to Balaam. We know about Balaam because Balaam was the uh, guy with the donkey, as I said a moment ago. But Balaam, you know, he was not a believer. I don't know why we use him in Sunday school cuz he he didn't really follow God, right? Balaam was a soothsayer. He was a pagan, he was a witch. The guy was I mean literally a witch, not like a not like a bad like a witch witch, right? I mean he was he was reading livers and he was uh you know reading the stars and I mean he was smoking all kinds of funny stuff and Balaam was just out there, right? And so the king of the king of Moab named Balak hires Balaam to put a curse on God's people because the Moabites were afraid of Israel. And so the king of Moab is thinking, if I can just get this Balaam guy to put a really heavy curse on the Jews, well then maybe I can beat them. And that's his thinking. So Balaam is hired paid pretty handsomely to come and pronounce curses on God's people and it's really funny the first two times the king takes him to the top of a mountain and he's like okay now curse him and Balaam goes to curse and out of his mouth come blessings right It's like oh yeah well well bless you man right it's that kind of that kind of thing he's trying his best to say something bad about israel and he can't do it and then the king gets frustrated and the third time the king says okay balaam come on let's take you over here takes him to another hill and numbers chapter 23 verse 28 it says balak took balaam to the top of peor overlooking the wasteland If you can't get Balaam to curse Israel from the first two spots, maybe you can at least curse Israel's garbage. Right? And you figure garbage ought to be easy to curse. It stinks, it smells, it's rotting, it's dirty, it's garbage. There ought to be a lot you could curse about garbage. Sure. So, I mean, he's kind of giving Balaam something easy to do. Hey, Balaam curse the garbage Balaam curse the garbage so Balaam gets all ready does his sacrifice you know he does his thing gets all set he's ready to curse the garbage and look at chapter 24 verse 3 the spirit of God comes on him and he spoke this message the prophecy of Balaam the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees the vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. I'm thinking, are you seeing what I'm seeing? You know, I'm, I'm seeing garbage. And you're going, how beautiful are your tents, Right? Like valleys, they spread out like gardens beside a river. Like aloes planted by the Lord. Like cedars beside, he goes on and on and on. Like, right? Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag. And he goes on and on and on, blessing Israel's garbage. Now, I put myself on the hill. I try to imagine myself on the hill that day watching Balaam do his thing over Israel's wastelands and I'm thinking are we seeing the same thing like I'm looking down the hill and I see all the garbage I see it I can even smell it if the wind shifts over and here's God saying how beautiful are your tents oh they're just great it's beautiful Maybe God sees something in my garbage that I need to see. Is it possible that God sees the gold in your garbage? I believe he does. In fact, that's exactly how he works. He sees the gold in your garbage. Jesus dies for you as is. Isn't that great? Jesus doesn't ask you to clean up your act before you come to him. He doesn't ask you to make yourself worthy. He doesn't ask you to correct things before you come to him. He's like, I'll take you as is. As is. And he loves you as is. And you come in with all your garbage, all your stuff, and Jesus begins to turn that into gold in your life, right? And Like I said, over time, the garbage gets less and less. The gold gets more and more. And it's easy to forget where I came from. It's easy to forget and easy to think that somehow I've always been blessed. Everything I have is a gift. It's grace. God gave it to me. I don't deserve it, everything. Even the next breath, (sighs) that was grace. I didn't deserve that breath. Jesus just gave it to me, right? Every one of them. And I say to you that what qualifies you to represent Jesus well to the world around us is that you remember how unqualified you are. (laughs) That's what qualifies you. And then Jesus is able to work. I'm not at all suggesting that, like I said, let's balance this. I'm not at all saying that we self-deprecate. It's not because that makes it all about you too. I'm just saying I need to recognize that everything in my life I have because God gave it to me and he has blessed me. And now it's my privilege to share that with anybody willing to listen. One more Bible verse. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse 11. It says this. And uh, this is printed, I think. This is one of the ones I was going to use. It's, um, well, I guess I am using it. But it's on your bulletin. Isaiah 61, verse 11 And uh, this is you and me right here. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Let me read that again. As the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before the nations when you look at a pretty flower do you ever stop and think that that thing comes from dirt how did God make something so beautiful come out of dirt you see your garden and it's just dripping with tomatoes and all kinds of good things do you ever stop and think that, that came out of dirt you know dirt God turns these beautiful, awesome things out of dirt. That's your life and mine. You're the flower, my friend. I'm the flower. Man, God caused you to spring up out of what a mess. And He displays His righteousness. Does Isaiah 61 say, his righteousness and praise through your life. It's amazing. Hmm. Yeah. So, Karis and I, I'll close with this illustration. Karis and I just uh, found out recently, we have this $1,500 clock that we were going to throw out. It was a clock that she got from her grandmother, and you know it hasn't worked in decades—probably 50 years. This clock hasn't worked, right? But her grandmother had it, and then when her grandmother passed away, Karis got it, and it's been in our basement because it didn't work. It's been in our basement, and it looks kind of chintzy. Honest, it doesn't look anything special, (laughs) right? And And there have been a few times over the years where we were thinking, let's just throw that thing out. But we didn't throw it out because, you know, you feel bad. You don't want to throw away Grandma's clock. So we, we kept it. And then on a whim, we take it to the mall, to Olaf, the clock repair watch guy in the mall. And Olaf is like, wow, this clock is this and that, and it was built a hundred and ten years ago, and it's uh, da, da da and it's worth fifteen hundred dollars, and we're going, <laughs> okay, <laughs> glad we didn't throw that out, right? So now Olaf is fixing it, and I'm hoping it works. We hope to get it back, and that'd be great. You know, be careful, the things you just want to throw out in your life, because some of those are the very things. God wants to use I'll just pray and close with that Lord I want to thank you uh, for the privilege that we have to be yours Jesus everything I have I have from you everything you have given us so much and Lord I just take, I take the, uh, the warning from Uzziah today. God, I, I don't want to become um, prideful. Lord, we want to maintain this heart of gratitude, thankfulness for all that you've given and all that you've done. You've been so abundantly good to us, God, so abundantly good. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege that's ours to share you with anyone willing to listen. <clears throat> in Jesus, yeah, I look at some of the garbage in my own life and I prefer that it not be there, but Lord, I give that to you today and I pray that you would use it. I pray that you turn it into gold. Hmm. So I give that to you today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Friend, we're going to, as we close the service here this morning, I just want to invite you to come to the altar, and I sense that, uh, yeah. Some of you have been... uh, living in shame over certain things you know you're uh, embarrassed of your garbage you know and uh, and as carefully as I know how to say it I want to say I'm not trying to excuse your garbage and I'm not giving you a reason to keep messing up (laughs) but I just want to encourage you that that doesn't have to hold you back and you don't have to keep hiding it because every one of us has it (laughs) so I want (laughs) to invite you to give that to God this morning, and let's let's excitedly see the kind of gold that He can draw out of that, huh? So that's what we'll do. So let's stand and let's sing. As we sing, uh, the altar is open, and you can come and we'll pray about that or anything else really that's on your mind today.